0: Good morning to you, Patriot friends. It's 40 degrees here in Oklahoma City. It feels like fall. Welcome to My Patriot Brain, the show that explodes your cortex with conservative values. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Mather. Today is Monday, October 16th, 2023. As always, I'm coming to you from behind the NPS Behavioral Science Analytics microphone. Thank you for downloading this episode. My Patriot Brain is recorded live and published twice a week every Monday and Thursday morning on Spotify and iHeartRadio. show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. Follow My Patriot Brain on Spotify and share the show with your friends, your loved ones, your family members, your enemies, anyone else you can think of who needs inside My Patriot Brain. Go to my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com, for free content. Click on the link to my True Social account where I post articles related to this show. At my website, you can also find my book, Implicit Biases in the Unconscious, Liberal Biases, Racial Prejudice, and Politics, available exclusively at barnesandnoble.com. Follow me on True Social and Rumble. On True Social, I am at CS Psych Okay as in psychology, uh, on True Social, and I'm the conservative social psychologist on Rumble. Major League Baseball news. The American League Championship Series started yesterday. Uh, it runs through uh, National League Championship Series starts today. Uh, ALCS, Houston versus Texas in Game 1. Texas won 2 to nothing. Uh, game 2 is Monday at 3.37. That's today. 3.37 in Central Time on Fox. Uh, game 3 for, for the ALCS is going to be Wednesday at 7.03 on FS1. National League Championship Series begins tonight with Game 1, Arizona at Philadelphia. Uh, I think it's at Philadelphia. Arizona versus Philadelphia. I think it's at Philadelphia. Um, 7.07 Central Time, Fox. Uh, game 2 will be Wednesday, 7.07 on TBS. Uh, college Football News, AP Top 5 rankings, Georgia's first, followed by Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. Um, and then Washington is fifth. Washington was ranked number seven. They won thirty six to thirty three over number eight Oregon, um, and University of Oklahoma was off, and they were ranked number five in the AP. And so Washington jumped them and bumped OU down uh, to number six. This past weekend, OU was number five, uh, and again they did not play, uh, and so they they lost a, a spot because they didn't beat a good opponent like Washington did. Uh, this coming weekend, uh, University of Central Florida plays at number six OU at eleven a.m. Central Time. Uh, that's on ABC. OU is a nineteen point favorite. Uh, this past weekend, Kansas State University um, beat my Texas Tech Red Raiders 38-21. to uh, It was disappointing. We lost our quarterback in the game, uh, so we used our third stream because we lost our starting quarterback earlier this season, uh, and it was, just a dis- it was a disappointing game. Uh, Texas Tech will play at BYU as they attempt to recover from that loss. Uh, they'll play at 6 p.m. Central Time Saturday on FS1. Texas Tech is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Texas Tech has been favored in just about every one of their games. Um, yet they still have managed to find ways to lose their games. Uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, have not played yet this weekend. They played a night on Monday Night Football at the Chargers, 7.15 uh, Central Time on ABC slash uh, ESPN. They play their uh, Dallas is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I caught some of the Colorado-Stanford game Friday night. Uh, it was interesting. I know I've talked about the uh, defensive backs for Colorado and how they play like less talented Deion Sanders. They've got the same, some of the same techniques. Uh, they made constant mistakes um, Friday night, and that game. That game was late too. I didn't make it through the whole game. It went into overtime. Uh, I fell asleep and woke up and saw that Stanford won, um, and it, the game went to like two o'clock in the morning here, local time, Central. Um, but yeah, their their defensive backs were very disappointing in the way that they've been they played in that game for sure. I'm not I'm not rooting for Colorado. Uh, I just you know was a fan of Deion, Fander, Deion Sanders. Um, Playing football and baseball, obviously, and then um, being Hall of Fame defensive back, playing the same position I played. Um, I've always appreciated his techniques, um, so it's fun watching the guys that he coached play. Um, but again, I don't really care who wins, Colorado or Stanford. Um, but just trying to watch some football. Uh, so this time of year, it's Halloween, right? There's pumpkins everywhere, and that reminds me of my qualifying exam uh, when I was getting my doctorate. So you may be wondering why the heck that reminds me of that. So. Qualifying exam is something after you've taken all your coursework in your PhD program, you take a test over everything in your discipline. And it's like a, it's a multi-day test. I think it was like five days. I think it was two days where we had to sit down at a computer and answer, que- it was restricted computer and answer questions uh, that were given to us. We didn't have access to the internet or anything like that. And then, so two full days of that. And then I think we had a take-home portion for like another three days that we had to answer questions with resources. Um, anyway, so that was a qualifying exam. So basically, you demonstrate that you are now worthy of doing your dissertation and finishing up. Uh, brutal, brutal exam. Like I said, it's a five day long exam. Um, but so we studied for it as graduate students. We all kind of studied together for it. And I remember one of the things I said was, you know, we need to have a backup plans in case this doesn't go well for us. And what's everybody's backup plan? And everybody went around the room and talked about what they're going to do if they don't make it to, through their PhD program. Everybody made it too, by the way, um, but everybody was wondering that my, my plan was, I said, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll probably be a, a pumpkin farmer and I'll probably grow pumpkins. And then once a year, I'll go take them and set them out at a church or something and try to sell them. And that was my backup plan. If I didn't get my doctorate, it's like, I'm just, I'll be at peace with it. I'll just raise pumpkins and then half the year. And then, you know, once a year I'll go sell them. So I think of that and how close I could have come to failure. And um, every time I look at the pumpkins all over the place and think, yeah, but you know people who are raising pumpkins are happy they, they raise the pumpkins they they give them to other people and they make them happy um, anyway uh, also I was driving through through a town the other day with my daughter in the car, and uh, Alabama's old song mountain Music came on, and I was explaining to her when I was a kid we had an actual big album of that, uh, and we'd put the album on and play it and when we got to the fiddle part, I was like just wait for it when you you'll know the part when we got to the part your aunt and I used to run in circles in the living room and we just run at, at a very steep angle in circles until we fell down when the music got too fast for us. Uh, and she didn't seem to be entertained by that at all. And she just kind of stared at me for a while. we were a stoplight so I could make eye contact with her. Uh, she kind of stared at me for a while. And finally I said, yeah, you know, we didn't have a lot of stuff to do back then. We, we didn't have, um, you know, TV that you could pause and on-demand stuff. And, you know, we, we had like three networks and an album that would play fiddle music. That's kind of all we had when I was a kid. So she seemed to, accept that as an answer for why we would do something like that. But anytime it comes on, I keep thinking my sister and I ought to start running around in circles uh, like we were kids and and when we were, uh, you know, didn't know how, how tough the world was going to be. Uh, okay, so I posted an article on my true social, Harvard Billionaire. It's about Harvard Billionaire. Uh, billionaire, board member to Harvard leadership, I'm done by Leah Barkukas, who I post a lot of her stuff, uh, October 13th, 2023 in town hall. Uh, It's about uh, Israeli billionaire Idan Ofer and his wife, who resigned from the executive board of Harvard's Kennedy School. Harvard's Kennedy School is their school of government and uh, basically government and public policy. Um, So he was probably in an alumni role advising them in some way. It's probably not more symbolic than anything, I guess is. Um, Anyway, he was protesting Harvard president's response, the current Harvard president's response to a letter that blamed Israel for the uh, October 7th Hamas attacks. Uh, so even former Harvard president Larry Summers uh, asked formally, and this is what Summers asked: He said, "Why can't we find anything approaching the moral clarity of Harvard statements after George Floyd's death or Russia's invasion of Ukraine, when terrorists kill, rape, and take hostage hundreds of Israelis attending a music festival?" Uh, well, kudos to the former Harvard president um, for having something good to say about this. Uh, Harvard's a Harvard's a great school; they do a lot of good stuff there. Um, culturally, they have some some issues. Um, culturally and politically, and they they appear to be very woke in a lot of what they're doing, and, and even and the things they say, and then, of course, the things that they don't say that people are also paying attention to. So, hopefully, Harvard can clear that up, do better. Uh, update on Speaker of the House. Um, so, I posted an article on my True Social, uh, some Republicans in talks to cut deal with Democrats in House Speaker Fight by Michael Lee, uh, October fifteenth, two 2023, uh, Fox News. Uh, so, Jim Jordan has been nominated as Speaker. Uh, some Republicans appear to be working with Democrats to try to cut a deal because they want to keep quote the extremist Republicans out of speakership. Uh, Democrat leader Hakeem Jeffries wants to help. Uh, he wants to help. Uh, you know the uh, wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Uh, so this sounds like like a Fox News wish list to me. You know to have Democrats leading the Republicans, and that's the way forward for Republicans is to let the Democrats lead you. Uh, you know what a terrible bunch of ideas. I hope Jim Jordan gets the speakership and I hope he really, uh, I got to remember the terms I've signed as far as my uh, language. I hope Jim Jordan does awesome uh, and and puts some people in their place, both in the party and outside of the party. Uh, he's a former wrestling coach. I, I believe he was a wrestling coach at Ohio State uh, and a college wrestler and a college wrestling coach. Uh, I think he's the right guy. Put him in there, turn him loose. I know he's got value in other places, but I've always disliked when somebody is good for another, the the philosophy, when somebody is good for a leadership position, but they're already good at what they do and not moving them up. I I really think that you got to move people up as as fast as you can uh, with their competencies. uh, And then you deal with the lower positions um, as needed. Got to have good leadership at the top. Uh, Okay. So my Patriot Brain, our podcast, uh, growing in reach rapidly. Uh, There's been an explosion of listenership in the past two weeks. Uh, and Apple and Spotify are really leading the way. Uh, so, welcome to all my listeners on Apple that, are, that, are, that have come to the show. Uh, it's great to have you here, and I've been really impressed by how many of you are, are going. I mean, there's no decreases in other places, just increases, just lots more listeners on on all platforms, uh, but particularly Apple and Spotify. Um, with Spotify, uh, I'm I'm impressed. I, I you guys are finding it through search engines or not search engines, but searching through Spotify, you're finding it through the homepage where people are. Um, you know what's popping up for you, and you're clicking on it and listening to it and liking it. I mean, that's where all of this stuff is coming from. Uh, and so, the more people are listening to it, the more exposure we get, and the more people find it. And apparently, the more people are liking it, which is the coolest part to me. So we've got we're, our audience is growing extremely rapidly. Uh, and hopefully, when we get to the Patriot Brainline, hopefully you guys will continue to engage with me and send me emails and and uh, voice message if you can figure out how to do it. Uh, and then. Uh, you know, all the other ways that you message me. Um, I appreciate that. I enjoy it. I, I love answering questions and engaging with you all. Uh, a lot of you send me stuff that uh, I'm not able to talk about on the Patriot Brain Line um, just for time purposes, or maybe it doesn't fit quite right. Um, but I do pay attention to that stuff and and I appreciate it. Okay. So the other day I was driving down the street. I have a lot of these stories, right? I'm driving down the street and there's a car that slams on its brake. It's going slow and then it slams on its brakes and it's holding me up in my my lane and I can't get around it. And they're going to turn left, and there's lots of traffic coming. And they're, you know, they, like I said, they're going really slow, like they didn't know what they're doing. And I thought, you know, I always know. I taught about the fundamental attribution error, and, and when I taught social psychology, I teach about it to you guys. Fundamental attribution error is where we tend to uh, discount the situation. We we th- we think, okay, that person, like in this case, we'll think that person is just a crappy driver. Uh, and we don't think about all the other things that may be going on. And that's the way it is for every impression that we make. We've got to work to take the situation into account. I feel like as a Christian, that makes me a better person to try to push against our natural tendencies of the fundamental attribution error and take into account empathetically what other people might be uh, dealing with. And so I'm thinking to them, like, okay, so they could be, like, they could, what are they doing? You know? And then I realized it was an older couple with that handicap thing on their car And they were turning into a hospice facility. And so I thought, well, I'm really glad that I didn't get mad in my head about what they're doing. Um, And that's a great example of the fundamental attribution error, right? And how we can fight to correct our biases for that and take the whole situation into account and think about what other people might be dealing with. We're really good at taking the situation into account for us and how things affect our behavior, but we're not good at taking it into account for other people. So try to be a good person and try to take the, the fundamental attribution error into account. Take the situation into account. Which leads me to the horrors of Hamas, okay? Terrible, terrible stuff that they're doing. It's, it's just like ISIS, right? Like, it's very easy for us to forget because Trump shut down ISIS. It's very easy to, for us to forget what it was like as they were d- marching through, beheading people, doing public executions, destroying the cultural artifacts, Uh, and all the other horrible things they're doing. So this is a tactic we're seeing that's consistent between ISIS and Hamas, right? They're not just terrorist organizations. They're brutal terrorist organizations, okay? Fundamental attribution error doesn't mean that we do some kind of woke thing and sit back and think, oh, I don't know, maybe they're having a bad day, right? They're terrible. They're awful. They're awful, horrible people. Uh, And that's, they're doing awful, horrible things. And that's not really kind of negotiable with a situational uh, attribution that moves that away. Having said that, I will also say that, you know, I support Israel. Okay. That's, I've been clear about that. I feel like I have to say it all the time. If I'm saying anything that may get interpreted by anybody the wrong wrong way, right? I've, okay. ISIS, bad. Hamas, bad. Israel, good. Okay. Those are unequivocally clear where I stand on those things. I am a Christian. All those things. I'm very, very clear on it. But, you know, I will say that, you know, angry Christians is kind of a bad look for Christianity, Right. Like that doesn't mean we don't need to push back or fight back, but just getting angry as Christians is probably not great. I know all the Bible stuff, right? I know that, you know, Jesus got angry sometimes, you know, God gave us the emotion of anger, Um, but we have to be careful as Christians, how we deploy that and how we respond to that. So just, that's my um, plea. I'm not saying um, not to get mad. I'm saying figure out a way to control it as best you can. Um, Otherwise we're going to end up pushing people away from God by demonstrating that angry Christian look all the time, uh, rather than grace and forgiveness. I'm not saying to forgive Hamas. I'm not saying to forgive ISIS. Uh, I'm human, I can't forgive those things, um, but just try to control the angry Christian look. Uh, I'll try to do the same. Uh, something about kind of selflessness. And I was thinking about um, you know, our soldiers, American soldiers, and how uh, you know, the draft is no longer and, and conscription is not there anymore. And so there's, you know, always the discussion of, you know, would people have a better uh, kind of loyalty to the United States? Have we gotten spoiled because people have, don't get drafted and we don't have this common experience of military service that we've had in the past because we've had a, a plethora of wars to keep us stocked up with, with people going into the military? And I'm not saying that the draft is the answer, but I'm saying that that could be one factor and people have identified that before. Uh, you know, moms, dads, and families, right? Or, you know, Destroy the nuclear family, and we start to lose the you know, patriotism and loyalty to each other, and that sense of community. We lose some of those things too. Um, in my world of baseball, right, it's been you, you don't see sacrifice bunts that often anymore. People don't want to sacrifice; they don't want to sacrifice their statistic. They can be very selfish. It used to be that the style of play was you know you get somebody on base, and you bunt them over. You bunt them over, and then you score them with a hit, uh, and you you got two guys that gave himself up to get two outs and then the next guy knocks him in and scores and that's the that's the way you do it and you do that kind of all game long Um, i think that the lack of sacrifice bunts uh, and and those types of unselfish plays that we were taught uh, in baseball uh, the lack of those things really typify how individualistic and selfish that our culture has become Uh, if you're not willing to lay down your bunt and give up your at bat to move your buddy over so that he your teammate over so that he can score a run and the team can accomplish that bigger goal, then you're probably not willing to stay married uh, and and raise a family. You're probably not willing to, uh, you know, fight for your country and you're probably not, you know, you're going to do stuff for you. Right. So I think all of these things, you know, we've lost some of the collectivism uh, elements that led us to be very patriotic. And, and um, that's the downside of individualism. Like we, individualism, can mean i can step up and start a company and become successful and i can do it myself but it can also have some downsides if i can't put that in the context of uh, of working with others unselfishly uh, and you take god out of the schools you take uh, the nuclear family away all that stuff kind of starts falling apart right uh, okay so moving on to team stuff since i guess we're talking about team things, uh, i listened to it so that i i heard a while back that tyreek hill a uh, football player in the NFL, former Oklahoma state player. And he's had a lot of problems uh, off the field that we don't need to discuss here. But uh, what I'm getting at here was they asked him how he prepared for games. And he said, you know, they're like, what kind of scouting do you do on people? Do you, you know, sit a lot, watch a lot of film or whatever? And he says, I play a lot of Madden. He said, cause Madden has, you know, the, all the ratings of the players that I'm going to go up against are pretty accurate and I get to con- kind of control it. And so I just play Madden and it sounded kind of silly, but that's something that I've advocated for 25 years um, as, as far as using simulations like that to prepare your brain. Um, and so whether it's baseball and, and seeing different pitches or whether it's uh, football and looking at plays uh, or whatever, like you can use simulations to help you um, to improve at that. Anyway, I, I just thought that was great that he found that as a way to prepare as somebody who's an elite athlete playing at an elite level of professional sports uh, and that that's what he does. And I, and I try to explain to people Uh, you know, those types of simulations are high quality, um, high quality simulations. Um, High fidelity is what we'd use in the intern. So I've done research in virtual reality before. And so yeah, high fidelity is is what the term would be. Uh, Okay. So I'm going to segue from that to something else, to something else here. So we're going to go from, so I guess we've managed to to segue. We have managed to segue from sacrifice bunts and being unselfish to um, team sports simulation Stuff. Um, so, preseason game. Congratulations to the Oklahoma Oblivion on their three to two win over the Wichita Arrow FC. Which I'm not super smart when it comes to soccer, but I think that's football club is what that means because football is what they call soccer. They call it's soccer, right? But they call it football everywhere else. Anyway, congratulations to the Oklahoma Oblivion uh, women's semi professional professional uh, soccer team, uh, Premier Arena League team for their three to two win over the Wichita Arrow. FC, which is my perfect segue that I'm using from team sports to soccer to, okay, the study. So today's topic of the study, today's topic is a soccer cognition study, which is why we talked about the things I just talked about. Uh, So this is from the article, goalkeepers perceive the world differently. Study suggests by Linda Geddes, October 9th, 2023 in The Guardian. I posted this on True Social. Uh, I know you're none of, most of the people listening to me now are probably not fans of The Guardian. Uh, That's okay. It's a, it has some good stuff when it comes to science that they can mix in there. Uh, I wouldn't get your politics from the Guardian, but still, uh, there's some good stuff in there. So they're, they're they're talking about a study by Michael Quinn, who was a former goalkeeper in Irish Premiership, uh, and he was studying behavioral neuroscience at the or he is studying behavioral neuroscience at, at University College Dublin. And so he and some colleagues, which I'll I'll mention them in a minute uh, when I talk about the actual study. Study at the end. So this is a write up of the study, and then you can also um, in there find a link to the original study. They uh, they looked at sixty professional goalkeepers, which I assume goalkeepers are the same thing as goalies here in America. Uh, they had sixty professional goalkeepers, outfield players, and age, and they had age matched non players. Um, so that means they had people of the same ages ages as the goalkeepers that were not soccer players, not goalkeepers, uh, and not soccer players at all as the control. Uh, And the study was published in Current Biology. They only used males. They looked at differences in the ability to distinguish sounds and flashes as separate from each other. So think about a goalie. A goalie has a lot of stuff going on, and they've got to process a lot of information to stop the ball from going in the goal, keep their teammates from um, losing a game right, or giving up a goal. So they looked at the differences in the ability of of these goalies to distinguish sounds and flashes as separate from each other. Uh, then they estimated the time frame that it takes for individuals to fuse different sensory signals together, which are called temporal binding windows. So The amount of time it takes for you to take all that separate information and put it together. Uh, part of that, what they're doing is identifying when you can identify it and then how you can use it together. So the goalkeepers had a more narrow temporal binding window, more narrow, meaning they can put together, in, together information faster. They had a more narrow temporal binding window than outfielders and non-soccer players. So other soccer players that were not goalkeepers and people who are not soccer players all did worse at putting all this information together than the goalkeepers. The Goalkeepers were also better at separating the sensory signals. So they could take the pieces apart, right? What you hear, what you see, all the different components of that. They could take the separate sensory signals faster. They could put them together faster and they could take them apart faster. So they process all types of sensory information faster. They also sort it out faster. Future studies are going to examine the different positions uh, so looking at if there's differences in this temporal binding window for different positions besides just goalkeeper versus everybody else and also for females and make sure that it replicates in females not just males but we had to have every reason to believe it does they don't they don't know yet if, it, if it's uh, you know if those who do this as goal, goalkeepers are naturally better at it um, or if the training makes them better and I'll address that in my closing thoughts the original study was, it was called Distinct Profiles of Multis- Multisensory Processing Between Professional Goalkeepers and Outfield Football Players. Um, again, we're, we're talking soccer here. Michael Qu- by Michael Quinn, Rebecca J. Hurst, and David P. McGovern, published in Current Biology, um, Volume 33, Issue 19, October 9th, 2023. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about this in the, Patriot- in the, not the Patriot Brain Line, in the Closing Thoughts. Now, onto the Patriot Brainline. Uh, got a question from listener T and Edmund. So what are the reasons that you see so much support for Israel from groups that typically would not be that would typically not be their profile? Groups that support other hate groups but not supporting Hamas. Uh, example, Hollywood, um, Black Lives Matter. Okay, so I want to address that with two different things. So one would be balanced theory. And this would be the the perception of us as conservatives when we see hollywood and and you know people in Hollywood that maybe, had their Ukraine flags up, and they did all this other stuff, and then support abortions and support all kinds of other things that we, we don't agree with, and then they support Israel. So balance theory, Fritz Heider's theory, that was the predecessor to cognitive dissonance theory by Leon Festinger. So things are either balanced or unbalanced. And so an example of balance would be, I like baseball, you like baseball, and I like you. It's all balanced. An example of something that's unbalanced would be, I like baseball. You like baseball. I dislike you. Right? So that's unbalanced because we like the same things, but I don't like you. So it's kind of like, how could this be that we like the same thing? That's where we're at with Hollywood, right? So, Hollywood and us, if you create this big network of things, they dislike all the stuff we like. They like all the stuff we dislike. And here's this thing where, they, where some of them support Israel. And we're like, how can that be? Okay. So, that's part of our, our perception of that has to do with balance theory. And how that plays out so it it, it surprises us because we're like that i don't understand how can they dislike all the stuff i dislike or th- dislike all the stuff i like and like all the stuff i dislike but then we're the same on this thing okay now take that piece of information and think about jonathan Haidt's moral foundations research so moral foundations we've got principles of harm care fairness reciprocity in group loyalty authority respect and purity, sanctity. And these are moral foundations that we use to evaluate the world with. So conservatives use all of those. Conservatives use all five of those to evaluate information. We use all f- conservatives, we use all five moral foundations. We use in group loyalty, authority, respect, purity, sanctity, harm, care, fairness, reciprocity. We use all five to evaluate information. So we've got a very nuanced moral lens that we look through the world with. Liberals tend to only use harm care and fairness reciprocity. That's Those are the by far the primary ones that they use, harm care and fairness reciprocity. So what that means is that conservatives see the world through three other different mini lenses than what, what liberals do. But we also see the world through their lens too. So harm care, fairness reciprocity, That those fit very well with what's going on with Hamas and Israel right now, right? Harm care, fairness reciprocity. So that particular issue is triggering those moral foundations for conservatives along with the others for conservatives as well. But we're looking at it through those two. So that's basically common ground. Those two, those two um, moral foundations are common ground for conservatives and liberals. And so that's what you're seeing with that issue is it's hitting very well on harm care and fairness reciprocity. And that's why you're seeing you know, Hollywood liberals and some others come out in support of Israel um, when they typically don't support the things we do. Uh, And conservatives being on on the same page with that for the most part as well. So anyway, so I would say balance theory and then moral foundations explains why that's the case. Uh, So, hey, and you you all can email me too. Uh, Go to my website and you can um, get my email address and you can send me email. You can give me long form questions um, or talk me and and just tell me how awesome the show is or I guess you could tell me how much you hate the show. Uh, If you hate the show, I wouldn't think you'd listen to it that often, but uh, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so Patriot Brainline, voice message me through Spotify for Podcasters. Message me through True Social, or email me at the email address listed on my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com. dot com. Independent podcasts thrive with private investments that offset the time and financial costs of equipment, software, writing, producing, editing, and on air talent. Please consider supporting my Patriot Brain with a small monthly donation. You can use the support button on the Spotify for Podcasters page, or the support this podcast URL in the other show in the show description on your other listening platforms. Thank you for listening. We're strong together. And now it's time for my closing thoughts. Above the roar of the crowd, the shouts of teammates and opponents, and amid a blur of movement, the ball is kicked and the goalkeeper has a split second to identify it, track it, respond to it, and stop it from going into a goal whose location they must know while it is behind them. How do they stop it? Do they use their hands? Do they use their feet? Their body? They must choose that strategy and implement it in a split second as well. It is fascinating that goalkeepers use their brains to process so many different types of information so quickly and sort through it. This comes from both experience and innate skill. That is, the good ones have the skills to stick with the position, and then they experience that. Then they have the experience that goes with that, and then they practice and fine-tune their brains to be maximally efficient. Next time you see a goalkeeper stop a ball, spend a considerable amount of time after the fact thinking about how much they processed in that split second. Till I catch you next time, play hard and have fun. Listen to My Patriot Brain on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. Follow me on True Social and Rumble. Check out my other content at TheConservativeSocialPsychologist.com, and I will talk to you on Thursday.